Uh, there's no need to clap for me in church. I think um, it's nice to give honour, but it's a bit over the top. <laughs> Lovely to see you all. And um, I'm so glad that I know a few of you already. And I'm um, some faithful friends of the church as I look around. Um, I think I attended the first ser- very first service of this church over in GSAC. And uh, it was exciting. And uh, I s- it's good to see that there's nearly as many right now as what there was in that first service. And we brought in people from all over the place. Do you want this phone? Jeez. I uh, put my phone on silent because uh, I still get calls even in services. I'm not sure what that's all about. Uh, but I promise not to answer my phone. My name's um, Paul Jurgens. I'm from Casino. I'm the pastor there at Heartlands Church, which is an, also an INC church. And I love being part of this movement because the pastors genuinely are good mates. Uh, and so you've got a lot of people out there that are barracking for you. There's a lot of resources out there that your church is able to connect with. And uh, very pleased uh, to be able to say that. I've known Daniel and Ruth for many, many years. And uh, when I was in trouble with my, um, uh, my house that was um, a rental, the, the tenants came and trashed it and I bought some new carpet Daniel came and just laid on my carpet. Daniel and Ruth came in together and laid the carpet for me, which was fantastic. I never, ever paid them, um, but, I'm, but I'm very thankful for that. And so these guys are genuine. These guys that get up and serve you each week are genuine like that. Uh, Alan and Jackie, I've known Alan and Jackie for about six years, just a bit over. There was a men's camp called Momentum, and we went to that camp together. And uh, Alan, at that point had been out of ministry for a while and you know what he didn't shy back from that call to get back in and put his hand to the plough and go again with being a pastor and I don't know if any of you have ever been burnt by church you know sometimes we have experiences in life and sometimes just attending church can be quite hurtful hey (laughs) someone will say something they didn't mean anything by it but you take offence and it's very hard to, to stay in there with your whole heart when there's a little bit of hurt going on in there. So I encourage you today to try and leave the past in the past. Just forgive if you can, um, because really we're going to the same place, eternity together. Um, Every other Christian that you know that's given their heart solely to Jesus is going there, and so you're going to be with them in eternity. So you might as well love them now, even though you don't have to live in their back pocket. Is that fair enough? So... Leaving the past in the past, then we've got the future to look forward to. And it's going to be a great future. This church, I'm amazed at the way you guys have come ahead. This building, um, it it speaks volumes that you've... Like, I can look up on the back screen and and read what I'm going to be reading. (laughs) Fantastic. And and Luke's served so faithfully in the house right from day one and, and still there right now, playing bass from the back, I noticed. And... And you've got this great core of people that are behind this church and you've got something that you can build with. And, uh, and I believe there's opportunity coming your way as a church uh, and I want to get to that as part of my message. But I just want to say there's good days ahead for you and, and some of it will start this year, some of it you'll get launched into right this year. So I want you guys as you go home today to check through your diaries for the year. Now you've already, if you've got kids, you're already settled into school and you're already 
flat out with music lessons and sports and all kinds of stuff, but have a look in the diary where there's room for the church, for you serving as part of this project that's happening here in Ganelabar, which is a pioneering church. I'm so proud of you guys. Pioneering church, and, uh, and you've got this opportunity to make a difference in Ganelabar, in, in Lismore, the city of Lismore. And, and don't let that go lightly. Don't let that thought go lightly. I've got a bunch of scriptures. Hopefully I'll finish before 12. I promise I'll finish before 12. There, how's that? And my message today is stepping up for the church in the light of eternity. Over in Casino, I've been there for 12 years now. And uh, we started meeting in various halls around town. And each time the hall would get renovated, we'd get kicked out. And so I said to our team, we need a church. And so we saved our pennies. And eventually, um, one of the girls in the church had this vision that we were like a, a Boeing 747 about to take off on the runway. And every pilot knows there's a point of no return. If you're launching that plane, you've, you've got a point of no return where you, your braking will not stop you before the end of the runway. And she said, we're, I, I feel in God we're at the point of no return. We've got to lift this thing into the air or it's not going to happen ever. And so uh, that was uh, motivation for me to really get on my knees and seek God and say, God, we're going to make this thing work. And um, some donations came in, including from Seacoast, was one of the ones that donated. And uh, we saved enough for a deposit. Our state chairman at the time said, yep, you're right to go. We'll approve your thing. We'll put in a good word for you with the movement. And so we bought ourselves a little house that had been converted into a church. It was the JWs. And so we bought it off them. The DA was already approved for a place of worship and away we went. Uh, but that, all that to say that if everybody gets together, you can do something. If everybody's heart's in it, then you can do something. Let's have a look at some scriptures. Ecclesiastes 11.6 says, In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand. For you don't know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. And that is to say that you've got a, a big life. You've got 24 hours in the day, and there's various little patches in the day where you focused on this or focused on that. But I encourage you not just to say, I'm just doing the one thing. That's all I am. You've got this variety in your life that you're going to be much more fulfilled if you do a bit of this and a bit of that, and each time you're in that zone, you focus on that zone. Does that make sense? All right, and, and you never know. It all might do well. And so don't withhold your hand. Don't stop from doing things just because you say, I'm too busy. And now it's good to say no to some things. And maybe there's some things in your schedule that you need to drop. When Nick talked this morning at communion, I thought, I had a penny drop. And I thought, oh, there's something I don't need to be doing any longer. From this day on, and, uh, and uh, that, so that was a bit of a light bulb moment for me this morning. I hope you had one too. Galatians six seven to ten. Let's have a look at this. It says, "Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he also will reap. He who sows to his flesh will reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life." Keep going. And let us not grow weary while doing good. 
For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. That's good. That's good news. Keep sowing. Keep, just, just keep doing it. Even if it doesn't seem, seem good at the time, you've got something there at the end of it all. I'm just going to flick through some scriptures and just kind of, if you can make some connections between these scriptures, that's what I'm sort of aiming for, some, some uh, mind connections. So Romans 12, 6 says this, Having then gifts, differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If it's prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. If it's teaching or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, and we're starting to get some adjectives in how we do it now, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. How many of you showed mercy to someone and you went away afterwards and went, oh, I shouldn't have done that. They were really nasty. Come on, we're all headed in the same direction here, so... And there's consequences for this, just as we're reading, God's not mocked. If you, whatever you reap, you'll, whatever you sow, you'll also reap. And Romans 2, 6 to 11 says this. God will render to each one according to his deeds. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for God's glory, honour and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there's indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, for the Jew first and also of the Greek. So it doesn't matter what you believe, it's what you do as a result of that belief. But glory, honour and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So that is to say, if you give yourself solely to the work of God... And that includes looking after your family too, obviously. That includes all those things like mowing my lawn because I don't want the neighbour to hate me. If we do all those things, there's, there's a good result at the end of it all. And, and you've got to keep that in mind. It's like sometimes we just get tired. We go, oh, I can't do another thing. And, but maybe it is that we just need to get refreshed in God. Maybe it is that we need to say no to some things that don't really matter that much in the light of eternity. And to, and to follow those things. Alrighty. How are we going? We're we on time still. Let's have a look at uh, Hebrews eleven thirteen to 15. Now you're going to say, oh, he's a pastor, he's just looking after other pastors. But sometimes your home-based pastor won't say this stuff because he doesn't want to make himself look good or... Or, or feel like he's putting a guilt trip on you, but another pastor coming in can say some of this stuff. And, and this is what God's led me to bring to you today. Um, it's actually the next scripture, but anyway, here we go. These all died in faith. So it's talking about a bunch of people from, from, from the Old Testament. We've got Abel, Cain and Abel, the first two sons ever to live, and Abel brought a great offering to God. Enoch, by faith, uh, didn't even have to die. Noah, by faith, built an ark. Uh, Abraham, by faith, believed that God was going to make him a father of many nations. And, of course, his wife, Sarah, who had a child at 90 years old, and I, I'd say that's no word of a lie. Imagine that. She laughed because she thought, an old person can't have kids. 
90 years old, hallelujah, aren't you? I go, God's not asking that of you. <laughs> These people all had faith. But they died in faith, not having received promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. I don't know if you go into your everyday life thinking I'm a stranger and a pilgrim. It's a bit of an odd thought, isn't it? You go, no, I'm going down to the school to teach scripture and that's what I always do. Or, you know, like... But we're, we're strangers and pilgrims. We've got eternity that we're banking for. We're banking... What, the, the things that we do today is part of our eternity. It's something we can... The person that we talk to and, and share Jesus with, that we share God's love with, that we talk to on the street, that our neighbour that we are kind to, that goes into eternity, especially if we take them with us. If, if they receive Jesus and they go there too, that's, that's an investment into eternity. We're strangers and pilgrims. So everyday life is not just everyday life. It's banking for something. And, and there's so many things we do each day that have no seeming eternal value. Hey, I wonder if we can live our whole life just going... You know, this is adding up to something. This is going somewhere. Each time you pray, I, I, I went to, I used to go to prayer meetings and used to think, man, those prayers were wasted. I spent ages in prayer and nothing happened, you know. Like, but I, I've, as I've grown older in, in God, I, I've understood that our prayers lay a foundation, that uh, it, it calls them petitions, doesn't it, in the Bible? Our petitions. And you know what a petition you need? might need 10,000 signatures on that petition before something happens. So we're taking to God our petitions. We're writing and signing off on something. We're spending five minutes of prayer, ten minutes in prayer, maybe an hour in prayer on something. We're signing off on that thing. And, and when that thing gets to 5,000 petitions or whatever, and the others are praying at various points across Australia, across the world, praying for that same thing, and there's like a bunch of petitions get together, and God goes, mate, I'm hearing from heaven. These guys are speaking quite loudly to me. I'm going to act on this thing. And so your prayers are never wasted. There's a foundation that's built up and, and then when there can come a tipping point where it all changes. Oh, I don't know why I'm nervous. I'm quite comfortable with you guys, but I, maybe it's just uh, I'm excited about what I'm saying. So there can come a temptation in, in, as we serve God is to go, well, I've got skills. I've got a skill set that I can bring. I've got something good that I can bring. And, and so if we're a worldly Christian, we can go, well, what I've got is really good. And I only give it in certain measures. <laughs> I know you guys don't think that. And so there's this focus in the world of, I'm doing what's good for me. Um, if you want to sell an app on a phone, you've got to have the word I in front of it, or me. Because it's all about me in this world, isn't it? Social media, all that sort of stuff, the selfie, the, it's all about me. But when we come into God's thing, it says, so step one being a Christian is like, God loves me. He thinks I'm important. He thinks I'm really special. But if you never get to step two, which is God thinks everybody else is special too, <laughs> we don't go anywhere unless we start to see that same value that God's put on us in someone else. And then we can begin to serve as we've really been called to serve. And it says to, to look at our lives humbly, not to measure ourselves as more than somebody else, but to uh, think about what we have to contribute and then to give that thing. Uh, as workers for God, we know that we are 
we want to know that we are contributing, right? That's step one. But we also want to know that we can contribute in an area that we enjoy. Okay, so even something's not comfortable for you to do, might not be comfortable to play the violin in church. But I can assure you I really enjoyed that this morning and you need to keep going with that. Um, can contribute in an area that you enjoy and not only that, is that you're working towards mastering that skill that you've brought to the table. So they're the things that, as you consider what you're going to be doing for the church this year, as Alan comes to you and, and says, hey, I've got some great plans, but I just need a few people to get behind them. As, as you come into that, you go, what can I contribute? What can I bring to the table? And, and what areas do I enjoy serving in? Or even though it might not be comfortable right now, what areas will I think I might enjoy serving in? And then to set out a, and, and learn some skills to go around that area. So if, we not, if we'd like to be greeting people but we're not so good at it, to, to, to put ourselves in a place where we're actually learning stuff and do, do some study. I, I went back to music lessons this year, late, or late last year, uh, as a result of realising that I wanted to get better with music. Uh, I haven't had a lesson for 36 years before that. So it's, it's sort of hard to go back to something. And, and so I'd come across this guy who's a great music teacher. He's world, world known and he lives in Casino, would you believe? Some good things come out of Casino. And, uh, and so I went to him and, and I found out what he charged. He charges $70 an hour. Okay, all right. And I just knew I couldn't do that on my current budget. But um, I'm also a piano tuner, so he needed some work done on his grand piano. All his strings in the treble were all rusty. And I said, how about I'll restring your piano for you and put new hammers and shanks in your piano and you give me some lessons. And he said, yeah, no worries. And so I've had half a year's lessons on the basis of that. I've, uh, I've restrung his piano. still got a few little things, kinks to iron out. But uh, uh, you've got to just go... Is there a way through to make this happen? You know, I've got something I want to give, something I want to learn, but there's going to be a way forward to get to where you want to go. You've just got to get a bit creative about how you do things and, uh, and have a think about what that might look like. So think to yourself, what can I do that will boost the church? What projects might we be able to, to do together? We had a, a new family come to our church um, and I ended up helping them shift house, which I've seen to pastors seem to end up helping people shift house a lot. I don't know how that works. Uh, but we helped them move into town, and they deliberately moved into the roughest neighbourhood in town. In fact, probably the roughest street in town because there's prostitution and drug selling going on in that nine-house street, a little cul-de-sac. It's right in the middle of the park in, in uh, what we call checkerboard in casino, which is like... They call it checkerboard because there's blacks and whites living side by side, which is um, quite racist. I find I like to call it North Casino. But uh, anyway, they've moved in there, and, and so our global care's already gone in there and done some yard work in two of the neighbours' houses. We took five loads, five big trailer loads to the tip, and, and just we're starting to work with that family because they're deliberately moved in to outreach that neighbourhood. At, at risk, the... Uh, the when their mum and dad were in there setting up the house, there was someone trying to break in during the night and the, the lady across the road heard the noise, ran across and said, get out of there. And they ran off, they left their balaclava and gloves behind. 
That's the kind of neighbourhood they've moved into. But we wanted, really wanted to get, get behind them as a new family in our church and support them. And, and, uh, and so there's so much that's available to do. And I believe that in God, the resources are there as well. If you set your heart, if you've got a heart to help someone else, the resources will be there. So don't think to yourself, I can't do it, I haven't got the money or whatever. Think to yourself, if I had enough money, what would I do? And my sister really challenged me with that about five years ago. She said, if you had all the money in the world, what would you do with it? What would, how would you serve? And I couldn't answer the question. And, and to this day, I was still having troubles answering that question because I could say, well, I want to get everyone else out of debt and help them get out of debt. But, you know, like, there's, more to, there's more to it than that. If, if the person's not learning something, then being out of debt's nothing because they just get themselves back in debt again. You know, like, And so have a think to yourself, if I had unlimited resources, what would I do with it? Or how would I contribute in my way? All righty. And 46, look at that. I wonder if we can turn to 1 Corinthians 3, verses 8 and 9. He who plants and he who waters are how many? Two, isn't it? No, no, it's one. It's one. That takes away ego, doesn't it? He who plants and he who waters are one. So that means the person that is kind to someone because they wash their windscreen down at the petrol station... And that later that same day, that person meets another Christian and they're kind to them also. And eventually they think, somebody cares about me. And then someone starts talking to them about God and they go, oh, maybe God cares for me. You know, I had someone down at the petrol station, they washed my windscreen and then my neighbour came and laid my lawn for me or whatever. He who plants and he who waters are one, but each one will receive his own reward according to his own labour. So we're all working together for the same thing, and that is for people to know Jesus and to follow him with all their heart. That's, that's pretty much the mission of the church, yeah? Not pretty much any church you walk into. And then it says in verse 9, it says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Remember the parable about the sower? A sower went out to sow seeds, and some fell on the road, and some fell uh, in the rocky soil, and some fell in the good soil, and they grew up, but they didn't last very long, and some fell in the really good soil and grew up to be a, a harvest of 30, 60, 100 fold. And so here in this scripture, Paul's saying, We are God's field. So we get to choose what kind of soil we're going to be for God to plant his seed in. We are the soil. And so there's plenty of good seed falling on your ground. You come to church, you hear the the word. You might go to a small group. You might have a devotional that you do do during the week. You might read your Bible just for the heck of it because it's fun. And you are God's field and you get to choose what kind of soil you're going to be. You get to choose how deep that soil is going to be. You get to choose how well you plough that soil and how well you prepare that soil to take the seed because God's seed's readily available to you. Are you going to be the good soil? The same with being God's building. This is a great place to meet, but literally as you walk down the street, you are God's building. God goes with you wherever you are. You are his building that people can come to and take refuge at. We can be safe people in the community that, that people want to come to and, and want to know us because we've got something that we can share with them. Hey.
Alrighty. As I draw to a close, I meant to talk a lot about Joshua today, but haven't really visited there. I've got just enough time. So we know, I guess if you've been in church a lot, you'd know the story of Moses and the Israelites, the, the Jewish people, the Hebrew people that were slaves in Egypt, and God rescued them through many mighty miracles, and Moses led the people out into the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And there was a fellow called Joshua who gets mentioned reasonably early in Exodus because he fights a battle uh, for Moses and, and Moses is too old to go to battle so they hold his hands up in the air and while ever the hands are being held up, Mo- the, the battle is being won and whenever he drops his hands they start losing. So they, they sit him on a rock and they hold his hands up for him so that, that, that Joshua was part of that battle and he was a young guy uh, Moses was like 80 when God called him to at the burning bush, right? So does everyone know how old he was like when he started his ministry? 80 years old. And it says that he died at 120 and his eyes were still good. I'd love to have good eyesight just now. <laughs> Moses was a, such a strong character and he had to lead between, they say, the Bible scholars say, between one, two, one million and two million people out into the wilderness. Can you imagine leading that many people? You know, and you can, you can scoff these guys, you know, they get it wrong because he was angry or whatever. And, and you can scoff these guys, but you man, you'd get angry too if you had to look after a million people. <laughs> but, but Joshua was his, his right-hand man. He was like 40 years younger or, or even more. And so Joshua uh, was one of the spies that went into the promised land to check it out. And, and two out of the, I think it was 10 spies, is that right? Two out of the ten came back with a good report. And, and the first guys came back and they said, oh man, these guys are like giants. We're like grasshoppers in their eyes. Oh, no, we're like grasshoppers in their own eyes compared to them. So it was how they were looking at themselves. But Joshua and Caleb, the, the two guys that came back with a good report, they said, man, this is a land flowing with milk and honey. You should see the grapes. It takes two guys to carry a bunch of grapes. You know, like, Let's get in there. You know, the bigger they are, the harder they fall kind of thing. And, and let's get in there and do it. And so Joshua was one of the ones that actually went in and got to inhabit the land. And, and I really feel that um, in God this morning, there's, uh, I believe there's, I want to be prophetic this morning with what I want to say. And, and I really believe that that verse out of Joshua chapter 1 is for you guys for this year and, and coming years. So... I want to read it out for you. Can we jump to that last verse, please? Joshua, there we go. All right, so take this as this is relevant for you guys, even though it's thousands, a couple of thousand years later, 3,000 years later, whatever. This is for you guys today. I believe that in God, that sometimes God can lighten scriptures to us, make it relevant for the now. And and I believe that God would say to you as, as a church this this morning, Joshua 1 verse 3, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread, upon I have given you, as I said to Moses. Verse 4, From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, so if you want to imagine the Wilson River and all that sort of stuff, the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. 
For to this people you should divide as an inheritance the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from the, to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night. If you want a key to success, this is one of them. Meditate in, in God's word day and night that you may observe to do all according to what is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I believe that your pastor Alan is like a Joshua. He's got that same kind of spirit in him. He's, he's, he's a genuine Australian, I reckon. Genuine Aussie. He's got that whole mateship and courage and versatility, resilience. Um, resourcefulness, he's got that about his life and he's very passionate for God and he's very passionate about you guys too. I know that for a fact. Uh, and so you've got a good leader. So give him, give him what you know God's calling you to give. Amen. Alrighty. I, I wonder if there's anyone this morning that I think... Probably you all have given your lives to Jesus here this morning. But I want to say this. That every church, in every church they believe that there's a heaven and a hell. Every person you ever meet is going to either one of these places. And the good news is that God realised we would need some evidence of his reality. And God's plan was that his only son Jesus would walk the earth. He'd live a perfect life. But then he'd shoulder the evil of all mankind by death, death at the hands of mankind. There's no greater love than someone would lay down his life for his friends. Jesus has done that for us. And God calls you a friend today. His heart is stretched wide today to come into his kingdom or to, to recalibrate our lives to his kingdom. It starts with this, I can't pay for my wrongs on my own. I can't undo them or take them back. I just need someone to forgive me, to wash my insides out and give me a fresh start. And uh, if you'd like um, prayer this morning or you'd like uh, me to bring a word for you this morning uh, or just some prayer for healing, whatever, uh, we're opening that up for that now. Uh, but otherwise, uh, you, you can go home if you like uh, or stay and talk. That would be fine. But uh, I really bless you for having me here today. It's been such a joy to share with you and, uh, and to share something of God's word to you this morning. God bless.